0: thanks to our sponsor, Sharegate. Microsoft Teams can be a great tool for your organization. That is, before your users make your environment messier than eating a hard shell taco. And that's where Sharegate comes in. Their user-friendly tools automate the tedious daily tasks involved in migrating, managing, and securing Microsoft Teams so that you can maintain a safe and productive environment without locking it down. Head over to Sharegate.com for your free 30-day trial and transform the way that you manage your Microsoft Teams. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 434. Today, CJ and I are going to recap the Microsoft Ignite 2021 conference and focus on the Microsoft 365 news. Recorded live November the 4th, 2021. This episode is brought to you by Raygun. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software. And what makes it so unique is that not only it tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit raygun.com to resolve issues faster and to deliver flawless digital experiences to your users. That's raygun.com to get started on your 14-day free trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. Back to the show. Good morning, Mr. Johnson. (laughs) Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Well-rested after uh, skipping our show last week?
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. We held down the fort with our friends from Orchestra and had a good chat, which was great, but uh, nice to see you
0: again. Yeah, good to be back. I appreciate you covering for me. I did some... uh, Well, I have a few scheduling faux pas that I have to, that I probably should like throw (laughs) out there. The first one is, yeah, I'm sorry for bailing kind of the last minute. I had, I had committed to teach a class or a seminar last week and it was targeted like worldwide audience. So we had one session, my time being on the Eastern East coast of the U S we had one very early in the morning. And then we had one like early afternoon ish for me. And the early morning one was supposed to hit all of Europe. Middle East and Asia, which basically meant a few people in Eastern Europe and all of India. And then the one in the afternoon was supposed to hit all of the Americas. And I just found that um, it would have been me talking nonstop in the morning, having about a 30 minute break, Mm -hmm. then talking, doing our podcast episode and then having like a 15 minute break and then having to go again later with everybody else and somehow figuring out in that entire time, when am I going to eat both breakfast and lunch? And we'll give my voice give my, give my yeah. voice a rest. So yeah, I appreciate okay. you stepping up and I'm sorry I missed you guys. But great discussion with Michael. I really appreciate you. Uh, really appreciate him joining us again and the the support of the show that Orchestry has. Yeah, for sure. That was great. The other faux pas that I have on the scheduling thing, because I know I have one or two people reach out to me via Twitter about it, is that I said that last week, or I guess I said this two weeks ago, I was happy to talk about like the way I do like structured deployments and testing with Azure Functions Few people reached oh, yeah. out and said, yeah, "Yeah, I'm very interested." And then I was a no-show last week. Yep. And then, I, <laughs> and then, like after they called that out, I like I jumped back on on Twitter. And I'm like going, "Oh, I hear you. Yep, no problem. You will definitely get it. It won't be this week because I missed I missed the recording. So stay tuned for episode 434. Well, today is episode 434, and I'm going to have to say my bad again. Sorry, one more week. Yeah. Well, no, I probably two because uh, I completely dropped the ball that. That this week, this past week was Microsoft Ignite and just, I totally missed it. There were two big events this week. There was Microsoft Ignite and the GitHub 2021 universe. Their big developer conference was also this past week. So missed all of that. So I will do it. I promise we will. We will talk about it. I apologize for missing some stuff. But uh, I guess if anything, the content's going to get a little bit better because I've kind of done a few more things to kind of figure some stuff out to using managed identities um, to talk to different resources in, in Azure from your Azure function. So it's uh, making your life a little bit easier. But yeah, gotcha. So anyway, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. And I apologize. And we kind of. That's what you get when you do scheduling of a podcast episode on the fly while you're recording. Sometimes you don't think all the way ahead like you, like you probably <laughs> should before you plan things and commit things out. Normally, you know, I would say normally we have plenty of
1: wiggle room for that sort of stuff, right? But yeah, we totally missed the ball that ignite was happening. In there'd be a whole bunch of news come out and interesting announcements to talk about, and so yeah, yeah. makes for a little more packed of an agenda. Absolutely.
0: So I guess before we start. What's up with you, what you've been up to lately? I just kind of explained what was going on with me, but what's up with you? Not too much, actually. Pretty quiet week, getting a bunch of stuff
1: done for my day job, obviously. I work, and now I'm working at About Golf, which is we build high-end indoor golf simulators. So we're getting ready for a whole bunch of software releases for, uh, towards the end of this month, new content and courses and apps for businesses to help run our sims and things like that. And I don't know, it's an interesting time of the year because... I've never worked in a seasonal software business before. And when you're building golf simulators, it's seasonal, strangely enough. You Mm -hmm. think, hold on, but it's an indoor golf sim. How can it be seasonal? Because people play golf outdoors when the weather's better. Mm -hmm. So summer is usually not, and it depends on where in the country you are. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, people don't want to play in the height of summer and outside that much either. But it, it is seasonal, and so we're going into what we call the indoor season for our commercial customers, where a lot of people want to go into training and and lessons and more indoor golf when the weather is not as nice outside. And so it's a busy period for our commercial customers. Mm. So getting, getting the last few bits and pieces out the door for that and uh, making sure we're on top, of, on top of all those releases. So, yeah, it's been keeping me busy.
0: Very cool. Yeah, well, I mean, busy is good.
1: Yeah, and next week I have a work trip. Dun dun dun. What? Yeah, I don't do many of those, but I'm heading to Ohio. We have a manufacturing facility in Ohio that I'm going to visit. So, yeah, that is a strange occurrence these days. Travel yeah. for me. Yeah,
0: that, it is for me as well, man. I, I'm, uh, I'm. I hear you. It's. I submitted uh, my first. Okay, it will. It will have been by the time it, it. If I get picked, and by the time it happens, I submitted my first call for proposals to speak at a conference Whoa. in May of next year. And right now, I don't. I don't see any like reason why I'm gonna. I, I guess one exception, uh, one personal exception, but uh, I don't see a reason. why I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get on a plane. Like I don't really have. Yeah. I don't have any reason or any kind of flights. I have one that I have to do where. I sure as heck hope that I'll be on a plane before next May to go get my uh, my car that's been broken down and a couple states away. <laughs> so eventually right. I'll be able to go back and get it. But it's interesting. I don't I miss have, it. I really time. don't miss the business travel at all. I have no attraction to getting on a plane and flying somewhere right now, but yeah. uh, it was inevitable eventually. So yeah. Yep. Cool. Hey, today. So as we mentioned that Microsoft Ignite 2021. It's a virtual event this year. It's just as gone. I don't know if it's still going on right now, but I think it's been going on this week. Keynote was on Tuesday, I know there was some stuff that was yesterday on Wednesday. By the time you're hearing this in your earbuds, uh, this episode in your earbuds, the show is over. It happened the previous week. But the good thing is with these virtual events is that you're not going to have missed anything because you're going to be able to tune into everything. There's no like live stuff that wasn't recorded that you're going to that you're going to miss. You can even go back and even see all the people like heckling on Twitter. If you really want, you have a good, <laughs> you've got some really good skills with your, your Twitter searching. But what CJ and I wanted to do here is, you know, in the past we've, when we're at these events, we usually will push out a bunch of episodes the week of the event and years that since, you know, when we're not in an event, we've kind of just done like one really big recap, but I was pleasantly surprised at a lot of the news that came out from Ignite this year. And I thought that instead of trying to cram everything into one big episode, why don't we break this up into two episodes? So in episode 434, which you're listening to right now, we're going to talk a little bit about the the overall, like what they talked about in the keynote, what was interesting to you, and highlight some of the Microsoft 365-related cloud news. And then next week, we're going to come back. And we'll, I mean, we'll probably do some topical news that, you know, stuff that's going on in the industry lately, but then we'll focus on more on the Azure related news that came out from Ignite in episode 435, which again, that's why we're kind of pushing my discussion on Azure functions out like a couple, a couple of weeks, but that's what we're going to focus on. So today is all going to be about Microsoft 365 recap. So let's hear from some of our sponsors and then we're going to dive into it. This episode is sponsored by Geomont. Have you thought about adding contact center capabilities into your existing Microsoft Teams user base? If so, take advantage of our promo to add BuzzEasy Contact Center for Teams from Geomont and get your first month subscription for free. It's a complete omni-channel experience that works seamlessly with Teams voice. BuzzEasy was developed with best practices in Azure and offers a rich, easy-to-use experience. Geomont is a Microsoft Gold partner and part of the technology adoption program, and their BuzzEasy chatbot solution for Microsoft Teams has been chosen as a preferred solution on the Microsoft App Store. See the show notes for details around our special offer. This podcast is brought to you by Orchestry. Don't be fooled. Microsoft Teams and SharePoint are difficult. Microsoft Teams, when simply turned on, can be unruly and yield endless sprawl. SharePoint causes constant frustration with user interface and permissioning challenges. End the chaos and harness the full power of Microsoft Teams, SharePoint Online, and Microsoft 365 with Orchestry. Orchestry is the work-made-simple platform that empowers end users through controlled self-service provisioning while delivering the actionable insights and lifecycle management your IT administrators need to enable remote and hybrid work productivity without locking down the powerful capabilities of Microsoft Teams and SharePoint Online. See why so many are claiming Orchestry to be the must-have Microsoft Teams management tool of 2021. Get your free access to Orchestry with full-featured trial at Orchestry.com and tell them the Microsoft Cloud Show sent you to get the 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 all-the-friends-of-the-show perks. And we're back. All right, CJ, we are going to have quite a few links in our show notes here. I've already got a couple of them already added. One is a link to the book of news, which makes it really easy to be able to consume what's been announced this past week. And then secondly, I've also got a link there where you can watch the keynote on YouTube. The keynote from Sacha Scott Guthrie was in there. Judson was in there as well couple other people as well were in there talking about some of the, oh, Jared Spataro was in there too. Can't, can't forget Jared, especially what we're talking about today from the Microsoft 365 side, or sorry, from the modern work side. So I guess let's just start with a little bit of just like, what was your perspective or what was your feedback, not feedback, what, what are your thoughts on what, just in general, what you saw from the keynote, what, you, what did you think about Ignite this time around or their virtual events and everything this time around?
1: Yeah, so I've been pretty cynical about them in the past. And this one was a little bit more refreshing. I was a little more upbeat about it, honestly. I think that's because there was some new things. It wasn't just a rehash of old stuff. I guess I've been a bit cynical about them in the past because I felt like the events were mostly talking about things that had already been talked about. Mm -hmm. And this one, I felt, was a little bit different. We saw, I mean, we'd heard about Mesh, VR-type stuff that we'll talk about in a second, Mm -hmm. but there was news about it, about it coming to Teams and what's going on there and and it being utilized in sort of a work environment. And there was Loop. And I hadn't heard, I guess this, yeah, I guess it's easy to say this. I hadn't heard of Loop before, right? Mm -hmm. In its current incantation or what was announced, which was also refreshing to see something new and something demoed and talked about. And that was good. I guess that was, you know, I came away from it feeling like I'd learned something just from the keynotes, right, which mm-hmm. was definitely a different feeling. Sarch's piece, I mean, I love the guy to death. I think he's great for the company and all that. But man, he says the same thing every time, right? Mm-hmm. World of Works changing, blah, 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 empowering people everywhere, blah, 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 all of that, right? You need that. That's the spiritual leader kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then diving into the meat and potatoes, it was nice to see a couple of new things being talked about and not just rehashing the
0: previous few months worth of news. I like, yeah, you know, I I completely agree with everything you just said. And I I did like this keynote. I'm with you. A lot of times I've been much more cynical on how they've done these events. Uh, One quick thing about the the keynote, and then I want to jump back to kind of talk a little bit more. I was going to be a little more meta, but I really don't want to use that word right now. (laughs) It's Um, so overloaded now. (laughs) I know. Oh, my gosh. It's kind of like, you know, what is the graph? So I did like the keynote this time that... I took a different approach to the event this year than I've done previous events. And I've kind of started to do this with more of the Microsoft events, at least the virtual ones. I don't really care about the sessions. I don't look at the session catalog anymore. I don't pay attention to it. I try to go find, there's there's about four or five people that I will search out, part because I do really enjoy watching them present and getting value out of it. Specifically on the Azure side, it's Scott Guthrie and Mark and Rysinovich, Mark because even though they're, you know, thought leaders and at the executive level and very senior, they don't ever do a session that's boring to me. There may be certain things, like there's some stuff with Azure that is that they talk about that is for such epically big scale that I'm never going to touch it and that I don't really right. care about it. Like the high computing stuff for Azure Stack and everything, I'm like going, okay, that's cool. Glad you do it. I get there's a market for it. I'm never going to be working on that kind of stuff. I don't care. Right. Or working in a container. I mean like a physical container and not like, you know, a Docker container. <laughs> But the thing that I like, and then there's some people over on the on the Microsoft 365 side, specifically because I know that if they're speaking, they're talking about something that is, like, close to me. So, like, hmm. I've done a lot of stuff with SharePoint Framework. And so I'm looking for people like, you know, Vesa Juvenin and Luca Bandanelli and Pat Miller. It's like, if they're giving a presentation, I want to go see what they're talking about because they're probably going to announce something. Or at least I should be aware of what they're talking about as my day-to-day business works. But I like this keynote sorry, let me finish that that thought. I stopped looking at the session catalog and instead I wait for the book of news. I look at what's being discussed on Twitter and catch the news and then go read these learn more blog posts that talk about stuff. I can easily consume and say like, you know, what am I interested in? And then they like to go back and highlight, we talked about it in this session. So then I'll go back and I'll look at the recorded session later. And to pick up on some of the content, instead of trying to, I feel like it's a waste of time to try and, to watch these videos to try and see, is there's something here that's interesting for me where I can scan and text a whole lot faster. I did like this keynote a lot more because they did seem to chop Sasha's session down by about, yeah. down to about 30 ish minutes or so. Mm-hmm. In the past, it seemed like that was always like two hours and you're just kind of waiting around for something interesting. And I'm right there with you. I love the guy, he's fantastic for the company. I wouldn't want anybody else to be running the company right now, but the guy just, I mean, he, he bores me quite bad, you know, when we're <laughs> watching a video session. So like I stopped watching the keynote, I actually was getting work done and a Slack channel that I'm in just started lighting up and I'm like, well, I don't, I'm not going to tune in until it starts getting interesting because I'm going to go back and watch the Satcha stuff only when I can watch it in 2X. I'm not going to watch it at 1X speed. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. So I did do that. I, I watched Jared Spataro. They watched a little bit and then watched Scott Guthrie stuff and then went back that later that afternoon and watched, watched Sacha. But, you know, this Ignite, we're now, you know, two years, a really solid two full years into these virtual events, Microsoft's mm-hmm. big time virtual events for Ignite, Inspire, and Build. And, you know, it's kind of ironic that I feel like they finally got it this time. I felt like this was just like an in-person event minus the obvious stuff of being able to walk the halls, talk to people, booths, all that kind of junk. But this was the best run event in terms of and maybe that's just because of the way I approached it and expecting different, but I don't think I did like you. It felt like there was news out of this. It didn't feel like it was a rehash. It didn't mm. feel like even if it was stuff that we knew that was coming, the presentation of things were a lot better. The story was a lot more polished and it wasn't like they felt either that they were, some of these events had a feel of we're mailing it in, but a yeah. lot of these events just said kind of had a feel of we have to do it. We can't not do it. So let's just put it together. And it very much like a couple of weeks ago, there was a, a private, like there's an NDA event for, All of Microsoft, it was called Airlift, where they usually do it for a specific product. And that just, that very much felt like a. it was a mail-in thing. It was like going, oh, we got to do Airlift, so we're just going to go ahead and do it. But we're not going to really pay attention to really what the content's going to be about. Yeah, Um, gotcha. You can, my negativity on these different events, these different virtual events they've done lately, that was not my experience this week. I'm looking forward to going back and, you know, I've already been reading up on a lot of the stuff, looking forward to reading up and, and digging into some more stuff that we've seen. Eager to try out Loop. We'll talk a little bit about that in this episode, yep. but overall I felt really good about it. Nice. Now I do want to transition into talking a little bit more about the content and some of the stuff that we saw. And I'm gonna I'm gonna skip a little bit of what Satya talked about and I'm gonna I'm going to punt everything that Scott Goo and the Azure side, what they talked about until our next episode. So I guess I'm gonna focus a bit more on Jared Spitaro's keynote. And the way I sum up Jared's keynote really is that okay. Cool demo stuff, not for me. And that's really going to come down to this whole meta, this whole push on like the metaverse and everything. I feel kind of bad for Microsoft because this is hot on the heels of the previous week. Facebook and Zuckerberg and Mark Zuckerberg going off with their whole renaming Facebook to meta and everyone kind of being like, this is BS, this is BS, you know, whatever. And yeah. starting the discussion of, does it matter? Does it not matter? Is it really a thing or whatever? And then Microsoft comes out and go like, and we're in on that and it's like, oh, uh, man, it kind of seems like you're following along. You're, te- you're, you're unfortunately, regardless of of what your pitch is here, you've got this baggage that's coming from the previous week.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Even if it's unwarranted, like I feel like Microsoft's been yes. more in this for longer than Facebook has. but they've been gazumped by the Facebook news in the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, it's just, a. it doesn't, the timing sucks. And it, I don't yep. think it's, it's anything I have more faith in what Microsoft is doing than what Facebook is doing it makes more sense from a business sense from Microsoft side. The Facebook one, I'm still trying to be, I still have this like, I don't get it. Like, what as a business, why are you doing this? It doesn't. Mm. But the one thing that got me about it is this whole, and you and I talked to, we talked a lot about this like on chatting and everything, where this idea of doing these meetings in this virtual reality space. Yeah. It's kind of like a mix, right? It's like, you can either go full VR and put a headset on and you're doing a meeting in a virtual space and trying to collaborate like you're walking around without any legs. Yeah. Or you can kind of go half VR where you share your video, but it's not really your video. It's an avatar of you to where I don't know what, like I didn't shave today so I can use my avatar or this shirt's dirty I, so I'm going to use my avatar. I mean, like. My initial reaction to that is really quite negative. It's like. Yep. Yep.
1: They're talking about trying to better connect with people and I'm speaking to an avatar. Those two things, that's like saying the sky's red, right? To me, it's like, I'm not going to connect with somebody better if I'm talking to a cartoon character. That's just Mm -hmm. me personally. Maybe others are in a different boat. For me, that doesn't make sense that, yeah, like I said, that's like calling the sky red. However, I get that there are people in the world that aren't comfortable with being on camera Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, some of it could be due to settings. Some of it could be due to being very self-conscious about whatever. And so I get that there are some people that are more comfortable not being on camera. And maybe it is a step up from just being a, a static image with just voice, but not quite the whole hog, so to speak, to get to video. So I can understand some circumstances. Like if I'm sitting naked on a beach in Tahiti, then I'm going to
0: want to dial in with my avatar. And you better hope it works. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you're, you're well, I mean, we should identify the problem of why you're sitting on a beach and dialing into a conference call. <laughs> so that's, that's a totally true. different issue. Right? That is very,
1: that is a really good point. But just but, hypothetically speaking, there could be yeah. cases where where it's not appropriate or, what, or whatnot. And so, yeah, it's probably better than just voice. It's certainly not making me connect with that person any better. I don't think that I didn't really understand. I think it was a good sales pitch, but uh, yeah.
0: I understand your point of view and, and I had the same reaction, but I'm trying to be more, I'm trying to be more open. Like I've spent more time like paying attention to the metaverse stuff and to paying attention to stuff like cryptocurrency. And there's, I understand, you know, people saying that, you know, this is the way that everything's going to end up being. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to disassociate the fact of, well, I think that's BS with, well, am I really now turning into my dad when I was, when he was my age <laughs> yes, and somebody, yes, was we telling, are. <laughs> somebody was telling me about the internet and I was like, whatever, whatever. I don't need to pay attention about this. I'm like going, this is going to totally change stuff. And so I'm kind of taking a different step on going, can I do an out-of-body experience and look at it and go like, you think that's bullshit. That's fine. But not everybody thinks that. So you have to look at it and go like, well, that's not really for you. Like Android, yeah. not for me. Right. Certain things, not for me. Like a cyclist on the road, not for me. But yeah, it is for other people and I can accept that. And so there's pieces about it though that I found I find really weird though. I'm with you that, you know, I thought the same thing. I'm not going to connect with somebody better, but am I going to pay attention? Am I going to connect with somebody better if I'm watching their avatar? But on the calls that I do join, which ironically, it seems like the majority of the calls I join with people at Microsoft, none of them share their cameras. None of them turn their cameras on or very few of them do. I find most people outside of Microsoft do share their video. So I wonder if, you know, when you're talking to somebody and you're sharing your video, I like that because it tends to keep me more engaged because I know that someone's watching me. And so like you and I are doing podcasts, we do video, but, you know, I'm going to feel a little guilty and I can't really do it because we microphones in front of us. But if I just start tuning out and like kind of walk away for a little bit. Oh, yeah. It kind of sends that message to you that I'm discon- I'm disconnected from our conversation. Although that just may be my style of having a of you know wanting to be able to focus on a conference call and just pacing in my office. If it's an avatar, am, is that going to free me up to be able to do that, to wander in my office, to be able to to have that kind of a conversation, or is my avatar going to wander off with me, or are you <laughs> going to see this and think that I'm still kind of engaged with you? I mean, is it going to work like that? The one thing that I know that does not work for me is this whole idea of this immersive meeting experience with like a VR headset. I know this is going to sound very contradictory, but I think in the future, there is a place for something like that.
1: But I feel like we've promised the matrix and we've been given the Simpsons, if that makes sense. So, like, I do think we are going to have the future will hold more deeply immersive, remote, capable meeting experiences. Does that mean a holodeck in your house? Fuck, I hope so. Or does it mean putting on some sort of camera system that me as a person is represented in that virtual environment? Maybe it's that. What I don't think is going to be the case is a whole bunch of cartoon characters wandering around a virtual whiteboard and that being a productive experience. That's the bit for me where it's like, that's what I mean by we were promised the matrix. Like, Hmm. it's going to be like the matrix, right? You're in this realistic, but virtual, essentially, environment Mm-hmm. that we're plugged into. Hopefully we're not just gelatinous blobs in a bathtub, but you know what I mean? But what we got is what I look like as, a, as in like an episode of The Simpsons. It's like Barney and Homer with no legs cruising around like, ah, let's collaborate on the whiteboard. It's like well, that yeah. but I don't understand. And I understand it's going to take steps to get there. So we can't just suddenly have the matrix and it's going to, suddenly, it's going to take a few steps or quite a few, maybe a decade or two, to get to the matrix, but it just feels forced right now for some reason to me. And I don't think the hardware is there yet and I don't think the implementation is there yet. Like I can't imagine myself putting on a VI headset for more than 45 minutes to an hour and having a meeting. Like that doesn't seem a sustainable, spend your day in it kind of environment, right? So we've got some hardware challenges to fix up. But then on the software side, this whole, like I could imagine if I was represented in a more realistic way, than Homer Simpson, which is probably be my cartoon character mm-hmm. in a meeting. I can imagine that would work better if I was more carefully represented, but like I said, stepping stones, right? I've got to try and keep my mind open.
0: It feels to me, so. I, I have a similar kind of a feel that you have. My analogy is that I feel like we've been promised the Oasis from ready yes. player one or ready player two, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like I'm playing with the same kind of like flight sim for, that I played when I was in high school and, or in college in like the mid nineties a lot of polygons mm-hmm. and everything. And it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It's very much, I <laughs> i don't know if we're going to get to that point, both in acceptance and also as the tech is going to end up being there. I'm sure the tech is going to, I'm sure the tech is going to get a lot closer than this, but we were promised flying cars 50 years ago. And we're, you know, some companies are still trying to figure out how to get cruise control to work or how <laughs> to get like automated driving to work and everything. Yeah. Self-driving and everything to work. Yeah. And, I just, I think it's an overly optimistic promise that to me, yeah, it's cool, it's sexy, but it falls on deaf ears because it still feels, not just feels, but in everything that they're showing us, it still looks like it's way off in the future. So I don't really care. I mm. mean, it's not, mm. impacts of global warming and the climate change feel a lot closer than going to a virtual meeting does to me. Interesting. Interesting. And so- it just doesn't, that's completely setting aside the fact that are people going to accept this and are they going to do it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I, the toughest part, right? You've got me sitting the, on the fence going, am I going to enjoy meeting this way? But, you know, I get that technology progresses and like your internet analogy, are we the, are we Statler and Waldorf sitting on the sidelines going, boo, this sucks, get him off here. Mm-hmm. Or is this just the first poor, crappy implementation of something that will ultimately be a whole lot better in a decade or two, and perhaps that that will be the case. Hell, this is not new. We had Microsoft Bob, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. I, did it ever ship? I don't think it ever shipped. But you could go find photos of it on the internet, and this is what Melinda French at the time, now Melinda Gates worked on at Microsoft. But it was kind of that represent that that sort of virtual representation of your house. Microsoft Bob was, and you could go find your files and go to the kitchen and all that sort of stuff, and and so. That was a couple of decades ago or more. And so maybe in a couple more decades, we'll be looking at, at back at this guy. Can't remember Remember that like, Simpson-esque version of Mesh? Man, that was never going to fly. But look at what we've got
0: now because of it, maybe. So three more little things I want to throw out there before we kind of move on. So two like one-liners that I'm like intentionally throwing out there to be funny about it. But you know, all the demos that we ended up seeing were all those people walking around that were just this disembodied, kind of things with no legs or anything. I don't know. First thing I thought of was like, oh, they must be on the E3 license. You must have have to get to get legs. You must be on the E5. (laughs) But the other thing, the other part of it too, that kind of the thing that, that gets me about it is that if I understand on the virtual reality side, the places that it makes sense to me are not for meetings and collaboration the way that everybody is showing it. The first demos we saw of HoloLens That makes a little more sense to me of I'm working on an engine and I'm doing maintenance on an engine or I'm doing something engineering here and I'm seeing like augmented reality where it's showing me part numbers and it's showing me things that are in stock and I need this or I need this part and it's not in stock. Oh, shoot, what are my other options here? Or somebody's like using it as like being like an over the shoulder kind of a guide or it's research Mm -hmm. and I'm able to, you know, somebody is up on the space station or trying to repair something on a a telescope and they're able to kind of, help in that sense to where they're able to be there with that person, but not so much like virtual reality of here, let me do a virtual reality of, of like 10 people sitting around a conference table. And we're all looking at a presentation. I'm like, no, that already yeah. is a miserable, like to say that we're going to go get in a meeting room and there's gonna be 10 of us around a conference table that already sounds like a miserable experience to me in real life. There's nothing yeah. virtual reality that's going to make me feel any better about it. Yeah. So that's one, I can't really see that kind of a value to it. So I do see value in it. At some point, or as an entertainment thing, if I'm watching a sporting event or I'm watching a race, I would love to be able to have a virtual reality headset and be able to walk down in the pits of a race going on Mm. or watch a football game from the field and kind of see the different perspectives and stuff of what's going on. That entertainment side, that looks interesting to me. But in terms of in the workplace, I don't see it as the way that it's being pitched. The early ways I saw it, that makes sense. The current ways... Eh, it's just not as appealing. The other little one-liner that I have is: I think that the next feature that we're going to see coming to Microsoft Teams is that you know, for all those people who, when they turn these avatars on to generate these 3D avatars of it, and that immediately cause your you know GPU to spike your fan noise, is that you know Teams is going to have an automatic feature to detect fan noise that's going to be able to you know, do the noise <laughs> cancellation on it. So that's the next feature coming to Teams, I bet.
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. I can so so you know. Don't get me wrong. Like if I was having a one-on-one meeting with somebody and they just magically appeared on the couch beside me, right? Or not beside me, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm sitting at my desk, there's a couch beside me. Mm-hmm. If they appeared to sit and talk to have my one-on-one with them sitting on the couch and I didn't have to put on some gargantuan headset or whatnot, and it was all piped into me through some sort of neural link or retinal implants or like um, or like contact lenses that would beam stuff into my eyes, then then yeah, I could see value in that. I think we're being held back by the science right now. And for gaming, like I'm all in on VR. I think VR is fantastic for gaming. Like you sort of said, that entertainment type stuff. Yeah. It's a bunch more achievable. Playing flight sim in VR is a is a pretty, pretty fun experience, but it's a gaming experience. It's different yep. than talking to real people or looking yep. at real people.
0: All right. Is that enough on VR and Mesh? Yes. I think that's good. So let's let's sort of talk about some of the different topics that Microsoft highlighted at the event. And I think one of the really big first announcements that they had that showed off that everyone that really caught a lot of people off guard is a new product called Loom. Oh, sorry, Loop. Sorry, Loom Loop. is something else. Microsoft Loop, which if you haven't seen the video for this yet, think like a new version of OneNote, but much more collaborative and flexible if you You've ever used a product? If you've never seen this product, then you're gonna you're gonna not know what I'm talking about here. But if you've ever seen Notion, you go to Notion.so. If you've ever seen the product called Notion, Loop looks like a 100% ripoff yep. of Notion. Yeah, I got off of OneNote buddy about, about two years ago, I think, and I started using Notion and absolutely love it for like note taking. It's it's like a mix between. I was even looking at like a content calendar where I like schedule like blog posts and one of them was why I love Notion. I'm like, does that even make sense? Should I even do that now? Um, <laughs> just, but just uh search and replace and put loop. Pretty much, yeah. It's a OneNote slash personal database slash personal wiki slash collaboration space slash your own personal database. So it's like yeah. it's a bunch of different things and it's hard to describe. I'm like, I don't we all create spreadsheets for different things with work. And for me, I don't do that. I create tables in and, and Notion and everything's in Notion. That's very much like what Loop is supposed to be. It demoed or it videoed really well. I never saw a yeah. demo of it. I saw lots of videos of it. And it looks interesting and I'm eager to check it out. I'm not dismissing it. If there was a way for me to import everything from Notion into a Loop equivalent, I'd be very interested in it. But I mean, there's no way I'm going back through a migration process again from what I'm currently using over to to use yet something else that is brand new. I'm not gonna I won't be an early adopter of it, but I'm definitely eager to see more. For sure. I'm actually really quite impressed by this for a couple of reasons.
1: Not because it's a knockoff of Notion, but Microsoft's been stuck in this trap of having documents being the place that you collaborate with people, right? You either have a spreadsheet or a Word doc or a PowerPoint, essentially, right? And that's where content has gone in the Microsoft ecosystem, uh, pretty much, right? There's some SharePoint pages and whatnot, some SharePoint lists, but let's be real, like most of the content in the world is done in documents today. And so Microsoft's been stuck in this world of documents for decades. And this is the first sign or the first um, the first thing I've seen come from Microsoft in years that looks like it could fly as a new realistic place that content could be created. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I say realistic because things have come and have come and gone in the past. Remember a few years ago there was like Gig Jam or whatever it was called that was yep. demoed at at partner conference or whatever it was. I think it was at Inspire or was it Ignite? I can't remember. Anyway, there was Gig Jam. And that kind of fizzled. It was a prototype and never really went anywhere. There was Sway for for presentations. Mm-hmm. That kind of came with a Swayed hiss and a roar, but never really stuck. I mean, there's some diehards. I think, I don't know, the Sway MVPs still, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it kind of came and went. OneNote I thought was a really good, was the last example of this where I thought content could be created. The problem was, it was still really too hard to do collaboratively with other people, right? Yeah. And... Was pretty painful. This, on the other hand, I think has a real shot at being another location or destination for proper content and creation and collaboration with other people. And so I can absolutely see the benefits of this. Now, I've been using Notion as well, not as hardcore as you, and I can absolutely see the benefits of it. It's like this semi-structured content environment, mm-hmm. right, where you've got the benefits of free flow content and some of the pros of that, but also some of the pros of structured content, like you said, with tables and linked Mm -hmm. content and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I can definitely see this being a a viable contender beyond PowerPoint, Excel and Word. It's a sort of a, a fourth or fifth, if I'm getting them all, viable place for con- collaborative content creation.
0: I thought that some, I can't remember where I read this. It might've been a tech crunch thing, but I saw an article that said that that Loop is kind of like Microsoft executing on what Google Wave was supposed to be. Oh, um, yeah. But, yeah. and I, hmm. I can see that Google Wave was announced, I think, what was it, 2019? And then it got dropped in a year later. Was it really think- that late? Yeah. no, It was, I, it was way I earlier than that, thing. wasn't it? Uh, apparently it wasn't I thought remember not Google Sites but I I remember the article I read referenced 2019 and then said it was dropped a year later it does have a feel of that I was kind of
1: 2009 oh I throw an extra one in there maybe they brought it back in another incantation I just quickly Uh looked it up on Wikipedia and it says 2009
0: okay so, well, do me a favor, edit that intro on Wikipedia to make it 2019 so that when someone sees this on the show and yeah. they go, Wikipedia, they'll see that it was, it's been fixed. Okay, um, fair enough. <laughs> I guess my hopes for this was that I, I really had hoped that they would have had taken OneNote and moved OneNote in this direction instead of just ditching what they already have. Yes. Um, because that's yeah. one thing that it seems. So, I wonder what the story is going to be for moving from OneNote to Loop because that I don't see how that's not the story. Like I hope they have a way for you to be to bring those people from Evernote into Loop. I hope they have a, a way for the, for people to come from Notion over to Loop. That's the second most logical kind of transition to me because I think that that's where people have gone. The Notion people saw this. I watched their forums and they were like, "Oh my god, they're completely ripping us off!" And everyone's like, "Hey, if they do an offline story and they have good syncing and everything, and it's encrypted, you know, uh, end encryption like right off the bat, I'm switching right away." So. They've got an opportunity here. There's a couple different concepts with it. There's a thing called loop pages, loop workspaces, and loop Mm. components. Loop components, that's fluid framework that we've been hearing about for three years. And it looks like Microsoft finally found a use for it instead (laughs) of just (laughs) demoware. I'm not being cynical when I say that. No, no, I totally agree. Yeah. It looks like they finally really did did find something here. The only timing... Loop pages are like flexible canvases that you can organize and have components on them. So think about... Components is like pieces of content, like web parts. A loop like a, page is like a what? canvas yeah. or a web page. And a loop workspace is allows you to have like, like a project that everyone kind of work with. It's funny because that's workspaces and pages and components, exactly what we call it in Notion. Or gotcha. I call them like elements instead of components, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a workspace and they're pages. In terms of the timing for this right now, I didn't see any demos, all I saw was video. And I don't know if it just happened to miss a session on it. But right now, in terms of timing, it just demos well. We'll see how real this really is when they get down to it. But right now, components are starting to kind of roll out into preview across Microsoft 365 apps, Microsoft Teams, Outlook, and OneNote. That found that to be interesting. Loop components are coming to OneNote. They're starting to roll out over the next few months. And with more, a loop functionality is going to be coming after that. So I don't know what the timing looks like about this, but it doesn't. It's not now. So we'll kind of see what this right now is just a promise. And we'll have to just kind of see where they execute.
1: My understanding is it's been it's been previewed and tested internally at Microsoft. That's, that people, that's people have used it. Yeah. So it's real. At least if you're an old timer like me, components are like only embedded components, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, you take a chunk of a spreadsheet and you put it in a document. That's a component. Pages are documents, essentially. Mm-hmm. And workspaces is like a file system of documents. Mm-hmm. File system of pages, right? A folder structure of pages. So yeah, it's I'm actually keen to try this. I, like I said, I'm pretty bullish about it. I think it's great that it's been so long mm-hmm. since Microsoft's had a hit in terms of where people create content outside of documents has been non-existent, right? It's been Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. And mm-hmm. that's for the whole world. Like, the vast, vast majority of all content in the world gets created in those three formats. And it's awesome to think that there could be another one that's coming, I think. Yep. That's better. Because documents suck. Like, mm-hmm. for every anybody that's used Google Docs and stuff and they come to the Microsoft world and they go, wow, this is sort of clunky, it feels old and weird. They'll yep. get it. They'll yep. get it. For the Microsoft world, it's like, sending around a doc and email and then editing it and then having to merge all the changes or trying to get a link to a thing that works where you can send it externally and send it to people and sharing works and all that, the friction is high. And so if there's a better way to do it, I'm all for
0: it. I'm also very keen to see one of the aspects of these loop components, which again, these are like just like fluid framework stuff. It's like I'm able to take this loop component, this table. This is some of the stuff that I did like seeing. I'm able to take this table and I'm able to use it in multiple places But when it's used in multiple places, I'm able to kind of like, almost like a little info icon, I can click on it and I can see where else is this used. So I can see, is this table used in an email where there's like a live email that's always changing? Or is it used on another page? Or is it used in a document? Or is it used in a spreadsheet somewhere else? Or is it used in a team chat? That's nice to be able to see those other places where people have access to this content. Because before, when they were just saying, yeah, you can share it here, here, and here. And it's like, well, that's great, but... Somebody's editing this and I can't tell where this is coming from. So how am I able to figure this out? Yeah, I did like that. I'm also very curious to see how Microsoft handles the whole enterprise content management, records, digital rights management. I'm really eager to see how they do this because to me, like an email that changes just seems to me like an oxymoron. Like that's not supposed to happen. (laughs) It's no longer a record. Yeah. It's no longer a record. Yeah. So I'm not sure how they're going to do that. I'm curious to see where that goes. But I mean, there's definitely some complexity around that, right? Like, there's the yeah. record aspect of it. But what about identity? Like,
1: when you yeah. think about who can see what, how the hell is that going to work? Yeah. Like, if you can have a table that's in an email, it's on a page, that's in a workspace, etc. And it's in a bunch of different places. How do permissions work? <laughs> so, like, if I get an email with a component in it, which has a table of financial details, for example.
0: Yeah. And I forward it to you. I don't even know where to begin with how many issues that brings up. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's I a lot. I can, All I can think of is like the U.S. government or like the German government's kind of like, hey, yeah, we want to sign up to Microsoft 365, but I want you to turn that shit off. <laughs> right? Yeah, but, but, but does it work? Like, should does that mean that you should get permissions to see
1: that table? Does that automatically happen when I forward an email to you? Or do you just get a box that says that you, like, you need to click here to apply for permissions, for example? Mm-hmm. Or... You know, you could be outside the company and I could forward the email to you. What the hell happens in that scenario? Like, There's all sorts of weird little identity things that could happen, mm-hmm. even within a company. It's forwarding somebody an email, like anybody can forward an email these days, but it doesn't mean you've got access to a document that you've got linked to. So I yep. imagine there has to be some sort of identity and access management
0: story around this content that we have not seen yet or heard about, which will be super important. It sounds super important and it also sounds like a super nightmare to be able to, you know, keep track of that stuff and be able to like, you know, who who was able to see this and like, it, why does it always come down to the Azure AD team? Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. It's always the Azure AD team and identity. Make sure your DNS is plugged in. Yeah. I have another one here for you, too. This is big news that they were, Microsoft was very proud of. I'm a little confused about this, but it's about Microsoft Viva. Viva is now generally available. But the way they... I'm a little confused on what that means because they say Viva is now generally available. That includes all the previously available modules, Viva Topics, Viva Insights, and Viva Connections. And oh yeah, Viva Learning is also now generally available. Like, okay, does that mean that all of four of those things are generally available? Or does that kind of mean that some of it is and some of it is still is now available and some of it's still in preview? Hmm. They've also... Customers can also now purchase Viva as a suite, also available with a Glint add-on to gain access to all generally available modules. Okay, and in the next year, we're gonna get a new Viva module from the Ali.io acquisition that lets them introduce the OKR stuff, the objectives and key results stuff into Viva so that customers who purchase the Viva suite will get access to Ali when it gets added and comes generally available in the Microsoft Cloud over the next year. There's a lot of, like, the way that this was written was kind of like, okay, let me get this straight. There's a lot of stuff that's GA. There's something else that's coming later. Is it all GA? (laughs) Is this an announcement about an announcement? (laughs) Well, it's kind of like Loom, right? Or Loop. Loop's like, hey, check out Loop. You can't play with it right now. It's coming soon, but we'll let you know when it's actually available. Like, okay. (laughs) I'm going to announce that we are
1: going to be announcing an announcement
0: about this. So I think in the business world, we call this like a letter of intent but that doesn't mean that I'm committed to buying your company. I've just signed yeah. a letter of intent that I, yeah, I have just, every yeah. intention on buying your company, but yeah. it might fall through. I am officially interested. <laughs> Can you, it, which is maybe one step further than me giving you a note and saying, do you like me? Check yes or no. Like, I, are, we, are yeah. we, is it the, I don't know.
1: I've swiped right on this uh, announcement.
0: I still don't know which one it means. It's like the blue. Neither group. do I. I keep, I keep Actually, forgetting. I like, what is like, right is good. All right. I don't know. Are you talking about Tinder? Are you talking about politics? Swiping
1: right on anything. I imagine. uh, This is, man, I should just shut up. I've never, ever used Tinder. I've never used one of those apps. And I'm like, I'm probably (laughs) picking the wrong people right now.
0: (laughs) Everyone's like, wow, CJ, you really like that person? (laughs) Yeah, right. No, I would swipe the other way. Well, no, you don't swipe that way. Can you swipe both ways, though? Ooh, I don't know. Anyway, Viva is available now as GA. And that's something Microsoft's been marching towards. So that's, uh, that's good to see that that's out.
1: Very cool. All right, we got anything else before we move on? We're uh, we've been wagging our tongues a lot on Lupin teams, but and oh, a little on on Viva here, I guess. Syntex, I guess. Remember Syntex? The explosive? No, that's Semtex. Oh, sorry. This is Syntex. <laughs> it's possible it may blow up in your face in ways you don't expect. <laughs> I'm being silly. I'm being silly. Oh, yeah. No, syntax was the new the new AI powered stuff in SharePoint. Essentially, it's juiced up SharePoint search, you know, around topics and being able to sort of uh, you know grouping content around particular projects or topics going on in your organization, etc. It has some new features: content assembly, contract management is a new a new thing that's being talked about, and search and analysis. So Content Assembly, users can automatically build new content from existing data sources, leveraging AI models to turn existing documents into automatic templates. Blah, 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 blah. I haven't seen a demo of this, so I don't know exactly what this means, but Document Assembly has been a pain in the butt for decades, and it sounds like Context, uh, (laughs) syntec. oh, now you've got me messed up. (laughs) Syntax is going to help with some of that by the sounds of it. Contract management, let's use as govern contract creation analysis and life cycles. So essentially workflow, I guess. Standard clause libraries, being able to create contracts from multiple different clauses and manage those through life cycle and approvals, etc. That sounds pretty interesting for some companies. There are whole products just dedicated to that alone, like big products too. So not sure how that will go. And search and analysis using natural language to find docs with precision. We're mm. back to NUI. We're back to <laughs> we're back to natural language understanding and being able to find things in your in your organization better. Oh, I need that. It comes there around is. every
0: 10 years or so. Yeah. yeah. It's time for a rehash. It certainly is, yes. Is that how it goes? I've added a bunch of more news here for people who are interested in like what's new with the Microsoft Graph. They have some updates on what's new. There's a blog post that is also what's new for Office add-ins that was announced at Ignite. What's new inside Microsoft Teams, both from October 2021, but then also what was announced for Microsoft Teams? There's some cool stuff there that I saw where if you build like a, a personal app in Microsoft Teams, which is really just a, an app that's got a series of tabs in it, that'll now show up in multiple places. It'll show up, it can show up inside of Microsoft Teams, it can show up inside of Outlook.com, it can show up inside of Outlook, it can also show up inside of, oh, that was it. Yeah. So Outlook. Microsoft Teams and it also show up on Outlook.com for your Office add-in, so you'll be able to see like the same app show up in multiple places as a tab uh, now in these different experiences. Which that's uh, that's really cool to see that that we can we can build these apps, we can have them show up in these different in these different experiences here. Oh, and you know, for those of you who are on Linux, Edge is now available. Because I can imagine a bunch
1: of Linux lovers picking Microsoft's browser.
0: Yeah, I mean, what? Uh, I guess for completeness' sake, sure. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this is what I wanted to make sure I mentioned this one. Now, I'm not a. I'm not a big uh, Power Platform person. I just don't. I don't play a lot in that space between Power Apps, Power, Power Automate, Power BI, etc. There is fairly big announcement here on the Power Platform. I think I understood this. I've read it a couple times, and I think I understand this now, but. There is a in the past when you've wanted to use Power Apps, you've always had to have a Power Apps license. Like each user had to have a license yes. to be able to use Power Apps. Yeah. They now have a pay as you go. So now you can build Power Apps and deploy them and usage is built based on a per usage basis to your Azure subscription. So now it's kind of like a consumption model. Hmm. Than it is where you have to or have to pre allocate licenses uh, for it, and I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a you know you can go one way or the other and say like I want li- this user to be to have a license for it, but then you know I also have this place where I do, if they're not licensed for it, then you kind of do a, a pay as you go. The way Microsoft explains this is they say by moving to Azure subscription licensing, developers and IT pros can extend low code solutions that leverage Azure capacity to activate user passes for the Power Apps per app plan to grant access in real time. This feature allows Power Apps to bridge the SaaS and, and past worlds of business apps in Azure. It also gives makers and developers a flexibility to, to uh, they need to build and deliver apps faster with less friction to get them into the users' hands while also not having to forecast what they might need for app licenses before they need to distribute. So in other words, I want to be able to build the app and not worry about the cost. I want to leave up for somebody else's yeah. somebody else's problem later. So let's just see if they use them later. This is at least addressing a big pain point that a lot of customers yes. have had about how expensive it is. So I, it, this is true. nice to see. Yeah, that's been
1: an ongoing challenge for customers. So it might not be the perfect solution. We'll see, but definitely good that they're offering various options to help you yeah. get on top of that stuff.
0: The link that we'll have in the there's a whole section on the power platform in the book and news. So they've got a bunch of other. Announcements around Power Platform that if this is your cup of tea, deep integration between Power Platform and Teams, insights with process mining, AI, more enhanced experiences with the AI builder. Let's see what else they have here. Intelligent automation updates of Power Automate, collaboration, open source and developer collaboration for Power FX. I think that and th- those are the big highlight things there. So if you're interested, there's go check out the book and news links. It's all section or chapter six. Specifically, 6.1 All About the Power platform. Very nice. CJ, is there anything else before we move on to our picks that you would like to leave us with from the Microsoft 365 space and the Microsoft Ignite conference? Keeping in mind that next week, we'll dive into the Azure Azure stuff a lot more. No, I think I'm uh, I'm diddly done for. All good. Cool. Well, overall, I'm giving them thumbs up on this one, on this conference. I have enjoyed it a lot more than I have the last to build and multiple ignite and inspire conferences, the pandemic yeah. conferences, I guess, where they've been all virtual. I thought that they did they did a much better job with it this time. I think I finally found my stride and I'm ready to go back to the, uh, on how to deal with virtual conferences and ready to go back to the live ones. Yeah, nice. No, me too. It did feel
1: uh, quite a bit better. And like I said, it's awesome to see some new stuff in these conferences for a change.
0: Absolutely. Cool. All right. Let's do some picks. Sounds good. AC's Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. Mr. Johnson, I'm letting you be pick first. Pick master. You're going to be our pickmaster. Um, master.
1: Okay, I've got a video this week. It is from the Everyday Astronaut on YouTube. If you haven't already seen this, AC, you will love it. It is a Starbase tour with Elon Musk, part one and part two is out as well from the Everyday Astronaut. These are not short, they're about an hour long. Each part is about an hour long where he spent a couple of hours walking around Starbase with Elon and talking about all sorts of really interesting stuff, like hardcore nerdy science stuff and rocketry stuff that a lot of it flew over my head, but I loved listening to Mm -hmm. for some reason. Everything about, you know, design of the grid fins and through to tank design and materials and weight saving and rocket engine design and they get into some pretty hardcore stuff well hardcore according from where I sit. And it was just really interesting.
0: This is absolutely fantastic. I, I saw this when it came out when it first came out and they do a great job on it and it, there's a couple of lines in there from that, that Elon has that I think you can developers are up that are out there. I think that you can apply it to your day-to-day jobs. Mm-hmm. In fact, I took one thing that he said, it's something, you know, you have like this thought or this feeling, but it's not until someone says it, that it actually puts some structure around it and you can apply it to what you do. There was a part where Elon was talking about engineering and saying, you know, there's multiple stages and, and yes. at one point in the stage where you build stuff up, but it, you can't add anything. You have to start removing stuff before you yep. can add anything, but you need to remove many more things before you can add something. And I intentionally put that in, in practice and actually about a week or two ago was something that I'm building. And it was, you, you've thought about that. You just, you over-engineer something and say, all right, I need to step back and you look at what can I remove? What can I do to simplify stuff and to Absolutely. make life a little bit easier? And the guy, he's, you know, in the past I've said he's quirky as hell. And it, I honestly didn't know until he did the, the Saturday Night Live thing a couple weeks, months ago, where he, it was news to me, but that he he kind of announced or he said that he has Asperger's, mm-hmm. which is on the autistic scale. I mean, that makes a lot more sense. In retrospect, I'm like, oh, well, okay, that does make sense. But it I don't want to say that he's quirky because I don't want that to sound like I'm kind of labeling somebody that has Asperger's as that, it's not what I meant. But it explains a lot of the stuff, like the way he, his interactions are, the way he speaks about different things. And it's I've really enjoyed... I love following the guy. There's a lot of stuff that you bet to not like about him. But mm-hmm. when it comes for like being inspired, inspiration, like where, where he wants to work on certain things and his bluntness about stuff. Yeah. A lot of character yeah. issues, but man, absolutely love like this side of him. This is, sure. this is, it was so cool to see this. Your point about the fight. He has these five
1: stages, mm-hmm. you know, of an engineering process. But the takeaway for me was like, don't optimize stuff you don't need. Yes. You know, people get, caught up on thinking they need a certain thing for whatever reason, for false false assumptions mm-hmm. or, or just assumptions on things that they need, requirements that they need, they've been told by other people. And comes up with really good examples of them trying to streamline pro- their production of the Tesla Model 3, I think it was, and this installation blanket between the battery and the and the car and, and they're having all these problems with it. And then eventually he's like, he asked one team, what's this for? And they said one answer. And he asked the other team, what's this blanket thing for? And they had a completely different answer. And so really the answer was they don't need it at all. Yeah. And they got rid of it and then the problem went away. <laughs> and, and his point was like, don't try to optimize stuff you don't need. Really figure out if you need it first. Yeah. Really ask the questions and get good answers about why something is a requirement before you try to scale it or optimize it or, you know redesign it or what have what have you. And that for
0: me was just rang so true. Yeah. It's a it's a strong corollary to it's a teaching concept. As somebody who like teaches, you never really learn you learn something at a totally different level when you have to go teach it. Because you have to explain it to someone. And when they start asking questions, you realize that your grasp on it isn't as strong as you thought it was. And I heard this before, I don't know, I can't remember exactly where I first heard this, but I most recently heard someone explain it, that you don't really understand something until you can ask yourself why, ideally five times, but three times on it. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I need this blanket as this insulation between the battery and the seats. Why do you need it? Well, because da-da-da-da-da. Okay, but for that reason, why on that reason? Oh, yeah. because this other team said we need it. So you go ask the other team, why do you need it? We need it because of this, and you find this like circular reasoning for it. And it's like, yeah. What if we didn't have this blanket? Like going for your specific team and for your specific team. What if we didn't have it? We don't really need it for us. And they're like, well, we don't need it for us. Like going, does anybody need it? Nobody needs it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Cool. That's so, a So yeah, it's pick. a two-part video
1: series. Really interesting, and the stuff for software developers in there. I um, yeah, I have
0: a nice little Easter egg for you. There's a third part. Ooh, really? Yeah. If you go look on the go look on the side, there's actually a third part of the whole thing as well that you can go check out. It's really good. Oh, okay,
1: right. I'll go. I'll go check that out.
0: I have uh, something a little more lighthearted. This is an article I've been sitting on now for about two months. I've been waiting to, to share this with you. <laughs> the title there, of it is just brilliant. Oh, it's. I mean, the, the title of it says it all. There were, but um, there was. So basically, there was this guy about 50 years old that he came across a search party. He had gotten drunk. With some friends in a forest, he came across this search party that they were out looking for a missing person. He joined up with them, and it went on for a couple hours until he realized, huh, these guys are looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the title of the article is Drunk Turkish Man Spends Hours Helping a Search Party Hunting for a Missing Person Without Realizing It's Him.
1: <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This guy, 50 years old, was drinking with friends when he wandered into the woods. He was reported missing, but then stumbled across a search party, search and rescue party. He joined the search party and only realized his error when they called out his name. And presumably he had sobered up a little bit. Wow. And the thing about this story is while it's funny and you see stuff on the internet could be made up. This is so like it's believable. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, absolutely. There's some great videos of it, too. There's like search dogs and everything out there looking for him. And you see him standing there with the search party and he's kind of like at this little daze kind of look on going, oh, yeah. It's kind of like so. when you go
1: looking for your sunglasses and then you realize about five minutes later, oh, yeah, they're on my head. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Too funny. That's good.
0: So. All right, CJ, we've had a lot of fun today talking about the Ignite 2021 conference and catching up on the Microsoft 365 news. I'm looking forward to joining you next week and catching up on what we saw from the Azure space because there was a good bit of stuff that came out from Azure. So we will catch up with that stuff in episode 435. Perfect. 435.
1: All right, catch you next week. Yeah, man, take care.
0: Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience, and we would really appreciate it. If you got a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a Wave or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, microsoftcloudshow.com. You'll get notices of each new episode as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.